So far this season, United were shocking getting hammered 4-0 to Brentford. Liverpool were fairly rubbish at times too. And Chelsea, well, they're doing their best to top them all off by underachieving every week. And Leicester City are just pitiful, really, at the moment. But none of them, absolutely none of them, compared to the shambles that is the Premier League referees. VAR has exposed the standard of officiating. The lack of football knowledge and common sense within the Premier League referee community is unbelievable. Where do we go from here? My name is Roy Shanahan. I'm joined by David Bugle and Neil Dobbs to discuss all the week's football, including Anthony, who paid off a little bit of his enormous transfer fee. VAR was in the headlines all weekend. How do we improve it or do we get rid of it? And Brendan Rogers, is he a dead man walking? Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show. Dave, VAR, it's in the headlines again. It's never really been out of the headlines, but this week was it just seemed a bit of a calamity, didn't it? Yeah, and, you know, the powers, but not the powers of the TV, the experts, as I like to say in a very common affair, but on TV, you love to use the word VAR instead of maybe calling out one or two of these people because it's not the organ, it's the, the, it's the organ grinders who are causing the problem. And just quickly, Lee Mason has been dropped as a VAR official for this weekend after his performance between Newcastle and Palace for an incident that none of us would probably really talk about tonight. It's more other contentious ones. So they've made an example of him, but not necessarily the one. So basically, uh, Palace got an OG, uh, or uh, scored an OG. Like Newcastle got a goal for an OG, where he uh, basically looked like it was a foul on Guaita, but it turns out Mitchell, who the ball bounced off, pushed Willock into Guaita, and they're claiming that that was a mistake. Um, and now he's been taken off this weekend. But I think they better hurry up and put out a few more uh, suspensions, uh, double quick. Um, but the guy who made the call between or Chelsea and West Ham is refereeing Liverpool and Wolves this weekend so they decided to pick on Lee Mason and, and no one else um, but I think once or twice this week now there hasn't been too many people saying the, the dread of the air or it's more what the hell who are these people let's start naming the shaming for someone who's just got off of decisions because you or I can make um, and other people watching it can make a kind of fairly uh, sane decision um, but these people who are the alleged experts who know the rules inside out are just making some very sloppy decisions that are really affecting people and you've seen the way Royce reacted for the famous one that we're probably going to talk about but and just on that again, Dave um, just just on that because what you're just after saying there is exactly what I was talking about today and thinking about yeah. as well for a lot of people the majority of people they can make these decisions really really quickly people are sitting at home yeah. together they're you know whether they're out and, and looking at the match or whatever it is and they're making all these, you can see them even in the TV studios. What's taking them so long here? That's either a foul, that's not a foul. Why are they taking so long? And then why did it come to the conclusion Absolutely. that about 90% of the country or the, or the planet has, you know, <laughs> can't be, are baffled by? Absolutely. Like, very quickly, my very quick take on the, the, the Carnegie go and... In a weird way, I'd almost blame Bowen because I reckon he was leaving the leg down like every pretty much 99.9% of the incident where he's leaving the leg down to maybe go down for the penalty and then he actually stayed up. So just explain but, that, Dave, just in case there's someone who didn't who didn't see it. Yeah, so apologies. So the ball was coming in and it was kind of like the ball was kind of in between Jared Bowen and um, 
Benjamin Mendy and Mendy was coming out to get the ball obviously Bone and I think he got his foot to it Did, am I right in saying Bone got his foot to it first and there was a bit of a look but anyway he went to jump over um, Mendy and kind of left the leg down to take the contact and he ended up kind of landed on his feet he didn't really go down for the dive but the ball kind of um, rebounded out to the edge of the box to Max Carney who took the touch and buried it and it ended up going to VAR for a potential foul slash stamp on Mendy and um he went over, did the magic look at the screen and uh, pretty much stereotypically changed his mind and gave it a free out. And once again, you know, the, the mid to little boys always give out that the big boys get the big decisions. And sometimes it's very hard to not argue that point because that's all I could think. That's the only reason I could think that it was done. Let's look after the big lads. I just don't get it. Yeah, Neil, when you looked at that incident, when I seen it, what I seen was the player going over the top barely grazing off the keeper, barely grazing mm-hmm. off the keeper, and there's nothing else to it. Um, what was your thoughts? What did you think at the time? Yeah, it was the same thing. It's very disappointing as well because I think West Ham probably deserves something out of that and definitely Bone deserves a little bit better out of it. But it seems to be at the moment, Barr are looking for more excuses not to give a goal rather than to give the goal. And they seem to be infringing on where the referee can clearly see the incident and then they're finding something else in parallel be it a, foot off, you know, a millimetre or two offside or be it something well before and we've seen numerous uh, examples of it over the weekend I guess it comes down to the end of the day sometimes that whoever's looking at it on the TV in the slow motion if you keep looking at it for several angles you'll kind of always find maybe a reason to be objective about it but it's just a shame that they've overruled the referees or the referees at least can't back up their own initial thoughts which everyone would have probably agreed at that stage. So it's getting to the stage now where just you feel they're coming up with something new every single time. And obviously this weekend was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back that we just had too many of these decisions in a row and people are just sick of it. But I'm sick of it because it would have, you know, it would have taken points off Chelsea and deservedly so. And I think Mendy really got away with one on that one. He did. And the time taken on that incident itself was 2 minutes 23 seconds. Now, I'm not sure that it needs 2 minutes 23 seconds. But you give them the, the benefit of the doubt because you think, right, it'll take maybe a minute because they'll want to watch about 8 or 9 different angles or what have you. But 2 minutes 23 seconds is madness. Uh, Dermot Gallagher was on this morning and he said he thought that was a, an incorrect decision. He said, I didn't think there was a foul on Saturday. I don't think there's a, a, there was a foul now. It raised a number of issues and becomes complicated because VAR got involved. The clue was in, if you watch the referee uh, as the incident is unfolding, he is in the best position. So, I mean, yeah. that's, 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 that's saying it all really on that one. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Do, do they need to be going back for things like that? Dave, or should should there be certain things that VAR is only brought in for? I think the one, I think one of the, the important things is, and God forbid, because football can't admit that, but if people do it right, the referee should be in control the whole time. Mm. And the only thing he should do is ask. He should ask a question, and the rest or the VAR assistant gives him an answer, and I'm after giving that goal. Will you just double check something or other or whatever it may be? And um, but obviously somebody got in his ear and goes, "I think you need to look at this. I think you made a mistake." That shouldn't be stay out of it. I think it should be the referee that should be in control for everything. And if he has a doubt of anything, that's when he should get in touch and press the button or whatever and say, "Not sure about this. Will you check um, a potential incident in the middle of the pitch, or can you check to see um, was there any uh, anything untoward in that?" But in, they they get involved as per usual, which a lot of people like over the years, 10, 15, 20 years, like 
these these refs are famous, you know, and it's almost like they want to be, and they're still trying to gain attention, even guys sitting in the in in the booth. And it's like, what? Like, stay out of it. Like, and and I think refs need to stand up. I think they're hiding behind it, but I think they need to take control. And once in a blue moon, ask the question if they're unsure about something, but stick to it. Like we were praising them at the, the first couple of games, where they're trying to let one or two things slide and get it to them, but. You know, I think the same needs to be to be done for this. The ref obviously didn't see there was a problem, but then somebody got in his ear and put the doubt. And of course, when you look at it in many different angles, of course you're going to find find an excuse. And as you as we all know, apart from one instance this weekend, which was uh, amazing, um, a, a referee actually didn't change his mind. But pretty much, apart from that one instance, the whole season and all of last season, they changed their mind. And it's ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Take control. Yeah, uh, Neil. Jesse Marsh got his marching orders because, uh, <laughs> well, in all fairness, they 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 got a, Brentford got a penalty earlier on. Uh, Somerville went down. He appeared to be a foul in the Brentford box. He, I think he was pulled back, and then there was a, a a clash of legs or a crossing of legs in the box. Was it fair to say that it, it was a poor decision in this regard as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, his jersey was pulled outside the box and then he was tripped inside the box. So I think either way, it should have been something uh, positive for Leeds out with and obviously they didn't get it. For Jesse Marsh, I'm not too upset as far as at least he's after making that big a deal about it. And it kind of, again, as I was saying, it's breaking his camel's back that if everyone comes out and moans about it enough, maybe this could be the weekend where there's a watershed moment and something actually changes for the better. Uh, although I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. Uh, just interestingly, Roy, I was watching the German League in the weekend and Bayern Munich were playing Union Berlin mm. and I actually forgot far even existed in the game because it just flowed so quick. There was two goals scored and by the time the ball got back to the halfway line for the tip, it was given correct decision, no nonsense. You wouldn't have even known it was present in the game and that's the way the English model needs to start changing. Trust the referee on the field get the big decisions right like an offside have no problem with that and after that let the game go Is the problem Neil though it's not that as we said I kind of hinted towards at the start Dave did as well it's not that VAR is the problem it's that the the referees who are making the decisions using VAR are making unbelievably terrible decisions and you would actually look at some of these decisions and it would make you think this, it's so open to corruption. I'm not saying there is corruption in it, but it is so open to corruption that why wouldn't it or couldn't it happen? It just, something needs to be kind of done, doesn't it? It does. And I tell you another thing, Roy, as well, when you look at the, the more that happens, we seem to be alluding, and definitely match the day alluded to the fact that they reckon it was the more experienced referee in the VAR, uh, in the box that was saying, I'm watching the videos and he's almost egging the referee in the field on to change his mind. Mm. And that as well is open to interpretation that they're using their influence in a manner that they really shouldn't be. They should be asking, listen, I think you might have made a mistake, watch back the clip, rather than show him seven good angles of what he thinks and tries to, you know, if someone tells you you've made a mistake, you almost feel, oh, have I? And you look at it and you're looking at it with a different set of eyes then because you're almost on the defensive going, I've made a mistake here, do I need to correct it? When at the weekend, I think all the decisions seem to be bang on. And then in the retrospective view, they weren't. And they were all poor decisions to do so. Okay. We'll go quickly through them. Uh, Dave, you can go first on this one. The Aston Villa Man City one, where Coutinho scored a goal. Uh, he wasn't off. So I think everyone can safely say uh, your thoughts on that. 
yeah, very unfortunate because it wasn't even close. There was a half a yard, maybe in full yard of a gap, and the linesman made a mistake. But it's it's his call. But the the rest apparently is supposed to let the play go on. Now the Man City guy kind of slowly slopped so stopped. So there's kind of no guarantee he would have got that free shot out. But at the same time, it was an injustice because he was quite clearly onside. So yeah, uh, a shite decision once again. And it's the R in the VAR. It's not the whole yeah. kick it out. It's the R. It's the referee once again in this. Let's be honest. Absolutely. And uh, so that's for all you Aston Villa supporters out there. Get off your high horse. You wouldn't have won the game. Um, we can look at the... Uh, what one have we got here next? Oh, yes. Um, we have the Manchester United one, Neil. Um, it was a, it's a big call at a big time of the game. Um, what was your take on it? So explain it first uh, as well, well uh, Neil. Explain it first. Yeah, so I mean... Ericsson was going across the field with the ball and he gets tackled from behind I think it was Odegaard just comes in behind him kind of nipped him but dispossessed him at the same time now the argument is twofold here did Ericsson Ericsson go down really really easy was there enough contact to go down the referee was in a brilliant position to watch this let it play on ball up the field Martinelli flying in a goal scores a really really good goal and then it gets dragged all the way back to the decision and to give a free kick for it. Now, there were several angles shown of one or two where you couldn't see whether he clipped them or not, and then one or two where you thought there might be light contact. Uh, it's one of these where you're the home team, you're delighted, you're the away team, you're furious. I can see why the ref, after watching the slow motion, gave it, but in real time at the time, I thought, Matt, they're not going to overturn that. You know, more to fool me, I thought that it was going to be given. Okay, now you might be surprised that I thought it was a free kick immediately. But Dave, did you oh, right. when when did a when did a push in the back not become a foul? Yeah, like when I first seen it, I was surprised it wasn't blown up. But then you know the way this new trend, they're maybe trying to let one or two things go. You say nothing. So once it went in and they showed it, I just wanted to see two things: did he kind of push him over, and then briefly did he get a toe on the ball? Because I thought he might have, and he quite clearly didn't. So. It looked like the nudge, and if, if anything, it confirmed it for me, regardless of who, who whose jersey uh, Ericsson was wearing. I, I genuinely think it was a foul, and it's one of them where, yeah, grin, grin and take it, boys. I, I think it was, a, it was the right call. Okay, Neil, I'll give you this one. So, Virgil van Dijk against uh, Everton. Should he have been sent off? Oh, yeah, I didn't think at the time, now, having Lampard come out after mm. the game, and then obviously you look at it again in slow motion. So he did go over him. The only thing I would say in his favour is that he's not out of control, as in he's off his feet and he's gone over the top of someone. He is making an attempt to play the ball, but he does go over. I think probably yellow would have been suffice for that. And that's even with my Liverpool hat on. I don't know if it's red. It's not enough damage, and I don't think it was enough intent there to hurt. Just a little bit clumsy, maybe. Not reckless? I don't think he's off his feet to be reckless. That's why I, th- I think he's still in control of himself. Just a poor challenge. Uh, if he got sent off for it, I'd be aggrieved both as a Liverpool supporter. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll allow that one go. Dave? Um, yeah, because obviously within five, ten minutes, the, the clickbaiter sites had the pause of the, the foot on the shin. And of course, is it red or is it not? And of course, they get a million comments, which is exactly what they want. And um, when you first see it, I didn't think so. Um, now, obviously, this is where the tiny bit of bias, knowing who he is, I think he's 
he's trying to be his usual self and trying to be Mr. Cool and stick the leg in when he thinks he's going to nick it. He's obviously not quick enough. But I'll be brutally honest, if he had it gone, I'd have felt aggrieved. But at the same time, if they had a look to it with Bar, I would have been nervous for him. So it's one of them where I think knowing who he is and I don't think he was trying to do him. I think he was trying to be clever and nick the ball. Therefore, potentially, it's kind of the right answer. But at the same time, I have to be a bit on the fence and say, if I had gone to the next level, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had a win. So, yeah, yeah, not kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of sitting on the fence on that one. But I can, I can see why only the yellow and and probably the background. But yeah, no, I, yeah, I think he got he got a bit lucky that it didn't go up another another notch, and then he could have been a bit. Is it fair to say, Roy, that it's this prime example of a real innocuous challenge at the time where you don't even think yeah. about it, but in slow motion, it does look bad. Exactly. Even I'll exactly. look that. It looks really bad. I, 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 I just think it's terrible defending, Neil. I think it's lazy defending. I think it, it's a... Ta- it's a oh, it's, yeah. it's, when you're defending like that, you're not really caring for the safety of the other person. You're just sticking a leg out because it's, it's, it's a, a little bit lazy and you've probably got in there a little bit too late. So, yeah, like, I mean... It, it, you could break someone's leg down that, their ankle in this case but the only thing I, I think it was Connor Cody oh, I yeah, think I think I Van Dyke got away with it because he's Van Dyke I think if it was Connor Cody the other end yeah. it might be different but Jordan Pickford got away with it two years ago on the same ground he well. did so yeah and we, and, we, and, we, and I think everyone was in agreement that he shouldn't have <laughs> Bar Everton Sports yeah exactly <laughs> okay we'll leave that there we we do know that VAR is uh, listen I suppose the finishing question on that one then uh, Dave is should VAR be kept or, or should it be taken away has it improved the game in any way as in if we are, are we still getting you know as many bad decisions with VAR as we had without VAR oh yeah, we're still getting bad decisions, there's no two ways about that. Um, but I just think uh, the FA and this PTMOL or whatever need to take control and, and start holding these guys more accountable. They're getting away with more. Like should they be getting paid Should they be getting paid more, Dave? Should they be more professional? Should they be this, this full-time job constantly? Well, we, well, they are full-time as far as I know now, aren't they? Mm. I think refs are full-time now, but you paid Bamiang more money and look what he did at Arsenal so give him an extra 10 grand they're still going to make a stupid decision VAR though are they, a VAR a VAR full time isn't it? didn't your man retire and well, go to most, VAR well, most of them are full time referees now, Lee, Lee Mason's dropped into VAR because he probably wants a handy number but most of them are refs one weekend and then in, 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 the, in, the, in the boot the week after it's accountability what's the Tramir Rovers referee what's it, the, the supporter what's his name again Jesus the fellow who was the Tramerson oh, Rover supporter, Mike Dean. Mike uh, Dean. Mike, Mike Dean. He he's gone into VAR as well, he's isn't retired. he? Wow. Well, yeah. Well, there you go. But I'm sure he's still playing. He's probably getting well paid. But then again, mm. if, as soon as he makes a bad decision, they need to get rid of him. Yeah. But they they bottled it again um, today. They they dropped Lee Mason for yeah. for one that we haven't even talked about. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And the guy who made the decision for the Chelsea West Ham game is refereeing the the, the Liverpool game this weekend. So. Yeah. There you go. They're bottling it once again. That's the problem. It shows the unwillingness to actually do anything about yeah. it and, and they're happy to continue got on. Shit officials, lads. It's okay. Yeah, yeah I think we've, we've got shit officials. There's nothing we can do about it at the moment. It's going, they're going to have another one this <laughs> next weekend. So tough shit. Okay, yeah. uh, we we'll move on. We we'll get away from uh, officials because I'm sure they uh, <laughs> we need them in the game. We definitely need them in the game, but they have to get better. They're, I think they're getting lazy. 
I think they're getting lazy at this stage with VAR. I think it's a crutch now and it's making them a poorer referee. Yeah, the that's... guys on the pitch are 100%. Yeah. You're right, right. I think the guys on the pitch are definitely kind of, it's their comfort blanket now and enough's enough to take control again and use it when you have to. Not, they don't, not the bar should be telling you about this. It's when you have to, that's when you use it. It's, yeah. it's an assist, it's an assistant. It's not, um, like a, like a, like what you call it, like a co-ref. Yeah. Okay. Brendan Rogers, uh, we asked the question, is he a dead man walk? And Neil, when you listen to his interview last week about how it's not the same club as it was two years ago and, you know, that they haven't bought anyone in. They bought one player in as a replacement, but other than that, they're not bringing in players. We could see it. We, it, it wasn't everyone, a blind man could see that Leicester City are not the, the Leicester City in the market the way they, they were taking players in and it's not as if they went out and splashed huge money as in they're going for the big big players they always went out and were, were smart enough with their money but it's just completely stopped to a halt so does Brendan Rodgers should he jump before he's pushed? Uh, he might not get a chance to jump before he's pushed at this rate but I think with Leicester Roy and this is what it all comes down to and we've probably alluded to it the last two to three years that They've changed their business model from a model that sells high and then they used to buy in that 15 to 20 million pound player and make them into somebody. The last year or two, they've been swapping out the 15, 20 millions for some really, really low-end buyers that aren't going to return any sort of yield. And if you look at their starting 11 the other day, I mean, they were, I'd say household names and names that you know, but they've let go of all their big talent. They've let go of, you know, 70 million that after making on the defender. And yet you've only got a guy coming in in last minute, whether or not he'll change their fortunes. They're a very stale looking team. They look out of ideas. They look out of energy. You look at indeed he playing centre half. He's a square peg in a round hole. But that's what really has done them at the end of the day in this game. So Leicester have only themselves to blame. Someone up high has made a, a very, very conscious decision we once criticised Spurs for never making a transfer in a transfer window. I know Leicester squeezed one in a deadline day, but when you have lack of planning and you're letting your brighter, best or better players go, and this is the result of it, they're, they're reaping the rewards of some really poor decisions upstairs. And you can only see it going one way at the moment. They look bereft of confidence. And I think Rodgers is in big, big trouble here. Indeed, he was in centre-back Dave, you've got Thielemans on the last year of his contract. They had a, a numerous amount of players uh, on their last year of contract. They sold Maguire. They brought in Johnny Evans, which was a g- good deal. They, they brought in a lot of money over the time. So why are they any different than the rest of the league? Just to put a different perspective on it, because we don't know either way, but potentially they're running the club properly. You know, they didn't make money for over a year and a half. Proper money with ticket sales. And they might say, we don't have the money to spend our way out of it. Like the Super League is here, like the money that was spent this year was just phenomenal. Mm. But Leicester obviously aren't able to be a part of it. And at the moment, the owners might have said, listen, we don't have the, the cash reserves that we can go and pump it in ourselves. And we struggled to make money in the last year or two. So we have to kind of make do with what we have. So maybe, just maybe, they're doing it defensively. You know, they might suffer, and they might suffer with their place in the Premier League. But if they do it right and careful, and with parachute payments, they can work their way back to where they need to be. Um, because the fans have been there for many years, and they've enjoyed the good times over the last few years. But that's not the norm. They were probably they were nearly as happy with the FA Cup win as they were the Premier League win. So I think they'll 
understand that they'd be frustrated. But the only thing I could say about Rogers is like, yes, this is your situation, but you kind of have to shut up moaning about it and try and get themselves out of it and give themselves another year that they can potentially use the Premier League money in a full and a full a full house every week for for the full season to to try and build it back up again or walk because. You know, this is the hand you're dealt with. You've known for the last few months and you're going to have to try and find a way of getting around it because it's almost like he's admitted defeat and that's definitely spreading onto the team. So, Is it because he's getting it in the, the neck, though, from the fans, Dave? He, constantly there's, oh, yeah. there's banners out now on him. But if it's a decision by the board to... I mean, they gave Jamie Vardy a new two-year contract. He can't get in the team. Yeah, but maybe it's because he's moaning about it. Maybe that's why they're giving out. I don't know why they're giving out me. But maybe it's because he's kind of constantly moaning about it. Maybe they're kind of going, right, we, we, we understand where the position is now. Well, now, Brendan, roll up your sleeves. And, and, like, it's not a shocking team. Like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's not what it used to be. But that team is not useless. Far from it. But mm. they're kind of playing as if they've given up. And he's going on and like he's given up. So that's the other potential side of this that we need to look at instead of it going, oh, poor Leicester, or they haven't shown... Like we're, we can't complain that they haven't thrown enough money on it if we had a problem with the Super League because that's what everyone else is doing. Living above their means. Look at it. Not, not Forest, no one's coming out of it. 20, 21 players. Ridiculous. You know? Crazy stuff. Where's that money coming from? How, how is that financial fair play? But ah, who cares? Forest, the fact that that's all that matters. Leicester could be sensible and that's the way it is. A bit like Norwich, a bit like Fulham with the yo-yos. Maybe they realise that that's what they might do. I'm only saying that with not with much knowledge, but that could be another side of the story. And instead of kind of maybe hammering them that they're not throwing money that they don't have around, which they shouldn't, um, maybe they're trying to do it as sensible a way as possible. So do you think they should get rid of them then, Dave? Well, if he's acting like that at this stage, they might have to. Mm. They might have to and bring in somebody who's willing to to roll up the sleeves. There's a gravelly voice to ginger-haired goatee wearing... Uh, manager that I think could really get in there and work with shoestring budget, Mister Dice. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 very likely to happen at this stage because, as you said, the the well, there's the, nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do at the moment, bar if if these results keep going the way, is is change manager and have a different point of view and and try and uh, rally the oh. troops. So it's 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 looking likely, I suppose. Okay, we'll leave it at that one there. Uh, someone who can spend money is Manchester United, Neil, and Anthony scored his first goal to uh, take the three points against Arsenal at the weekend. 3-1 with Rashford, two goals. Never mind the game, really, but what did you make of Anthony? Can you see anything in him that you make him feel that he actually could be some sort of a, a Premiership player? Yeah, hard to tell Roy after the kind of cameo role that he played. I know he wasn't designed to start the game. There was an injury, but I found like I did find myself watching and thinking, right, what's this guy got? And I, I don't know what type of winger he's going to turn out to be, but I don't think he really took on a man. You know, it was, he didn't show the dynamicism. He didn't show him, you know, skinning a guy in the wing, delivering crosses. But he did a very comfortable role. He looked aggressive, which is what I would say. He looked passionate he had a little bit of fire in the belly and then obviously when the chance came to him he was one in the right place and then two it was a super finish so you know as far as debuts go it was a dream debut for him but it was very very difficult to judge on that small cameo plus the fact that United were on the back foot other than the opening maybe 10-15 minutes they were kind of in a, on the back foot in their shell just waiting to kind of pounce for a lot of the game 
So maybe we didn't get to see him. Um, maybe against different opposition, there is a lower opposition where Man United might get at him a bit further up the field. You might see a little bit more of his qualities. Um, but I thought he was quiet enough, him and Sancho at the time, where you didn't really notice them too much in the game. So maybe this wasn't the best game to judge him on. But as far as the debut, you know, you can't argue what he delivered. Yeah. Do you see Atten in him, Dave? Well taken goal. In truth, um, there was like, yeah, he was in and out in, in, in phases. The, the guy's got skills in terms of what I can say, what the little bits I've seen him previously. He knows how to dribble, he knows how to beat players. You got one or two moments where it looked like he was going into a bit of trouble, but he's able to get out of, get out of it and, and give it back to the fullback. But look, he took his goal well, and that's all that matters. Like, you're not going to see too much at the minute. I think he wasn't supposed to, and it's going to take a couple of weeks to get up to speed. Um, so listen. The fact that he had had the cool the coolness to put it away is good enough for me to start off it. But I, yeah, I, with the microscope on him anyway, I don't think there was a hell of a lot. But I wouldn't be critical in that sense. Yeah, I would see from my own point of view. I think what Neil said about his aggression and his work rate that was what impressed mm. me. He wasn't just there to get on the ball and and try and do stuff. He was willing to chase all the way back, work hard. So he obviously has. You know the the Ten Hag way uh, down to a T. He knows what Ten Hag wants, so that's great. Um, a good finish and um, little flicks and bits and stuff like that. But he would give me more optimism than Sancho gave me over a full year in in kind of one game. So <laughs> that's 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 probably something uh, on a Manchester United side. Just looking at the league here, um, Neil. Arsenal top of 15 points. That's their first defeat. Manchester City, I think, yet to be beaten on 14. Also, Spurs on 14. Brighton, Hove, Albion, Neil, on 13 points. And they've really, they've really kicked on from last year. And when you watch them, they're playing really good football too. They're an absolute pleasure to watch, Roy. And I have to say, watching versus Leicester, now I know Leicester went for grades of opponents, but the way Brighton went about their business was very impressive. This is now a Potter team that's a couple of years on the spin. They're a good team to watch. They they move the ball lovely. They attack in units. You know, they're not playing with an out-and-out striker that's well-known. It's just Neil, they have today. Danny Welbeck up front. Well, there you go. I was thinking <laughs> of him today, Roy. How many managers can get a song or a tune out? Danny Welbeck, after all these years, a guy that probably hit a fairly low low and yet you see him up there and he really carries the front line very very well they're playing to his attributes he has his chin up he's flying around it's great to see but what he I think what Potter's done on a shoestring I think the players he, he brings in the way he makes them play balls they're fairly fearless to be fair to them and even last year when they were struggling to score goals they still put in some really, really good performances. And it just makes you think, what could a Potter do if he had a slightly larger war chest, what he could actually do with a side, or maybe a slightly, you know, a, a more aggressive, proper goal score, what he could do with Brighton. But what he has at the moment at his disposal, he's doing really, really well. And they're a lovely team to watch. They're probably my, my next favourite team to watch as far as they always give entertainment. Yeah. Chelsea are not too far away, but... They, they're not really firing in all senators, Dave. How do you sum up yeah. their start to the season? It's hard to know. I look at their team and I'm yeah. going, okay, they have, they bought Kukurella, uh, but why? Chilwell's yeah. there. Uh, he's come yeah. on, he's scored a goal. He's done fairly well. 
did they need to buy him? What what was the purchase about? Yeah, like the whole thing is a bit messy, you know, because they bought probably a couple of more players than we would have expected, including obviously as you as you were asking, Cucurella. I think this guy just came in and got excited and been so excited that he's now a manager, he can or not a manager, an owner and can buy people whoever he wants. Um we don't know they're eleven. Uh, obviously Aubameyang is still coming so there's another change that's going to have to be made because we presume he's going to go straight in and as soon as he's fit there's talk of starting in the Champions League during the week um, so I think that's why Chelsea are as disjointed as they are it's going to be probably another few weeks before we realise who is the, 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 the top 11 because Safan has come in for a hell of a lot of money so is he going to phase out Silver is he going to phase out Koulibaly who's to say and then obviously Kukurella apparently he's a, he's a good left so he did centre back if they go three at the back, and that's probably why he was brought in. But why would you pay sixty odd million for something for that kind of? Like this is where the madness, as we were talking, about the Super League is here already. Like it's just mad money. Is that what is um, that it, Dave? That the owner has gotten excited. They probably needed to I build so. their squad, but he just went a little bit crazy on spending money. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. Like it's mad money and well above and beyond. And who do you need? I wouldn't mind him. I get him and. Don't even look at what the market value is. I'll get him. Don't worry. How much do you want? 56. A bit like Barcelona a couple of years ago. Apparently, this fella didn't know what he was talking about. And a couple of clubs with a bit of nous got 140, 120 million. And your man just said, yeah. And I, I get that fear factor. Is that what this fella's at? That he's just, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever cost I'll pay. I don't mind. I don't know. But um, it's, it's going to be probably a couple more weeks if it ever gets going. Because it's. It, it's just messy at Chelsea now. Who is your best eleven and who's it going to be? And there's probably a lot of people there now, and there's a lot of bodies who will expect to be playing. And obviously, Aubameyang coming back and everything else. Like this could be a bit of a disjointed side this year. Tuchel's got a big job in his hands to make sure they're uh, they're all on the same hymn sheet because there could be a fair few noses out of joint because uh, they're not playing. So it, it could be an interesting one to watch this year for Chelsea. And it will be Neil because again we, we talked about it just off air before we come on about the Champions League and the Champions League and Europa League start this week Chelsea are playing Dynamo Zagreb but then they go straight then to play Fulham away from home then they've got Salzburg again the following week and midweek then they're playing Liverpool then they've got Crystal Palace away then they're playing AC Milan Wolves uh, AC Milan you know, these are big, big games and you are going to need a squad. And I'm, I'm going to drift a little bit away from the Chelsea angle of it. But even you look at any of the teams who want to try and make that top four, who do you think is well equipped to handle this half of the of, of the season with the pressures of that amount of games? And who do you think could benefit from it? Well, I mean, anyone that's in the Champions League at the moment, and we were saying this, that you can't really rest too much of your... For most of the Champions League games, obviously you get a kind of lower-seeded team who you you should be home and away. Well, you have to play your strongest team, and you do get caught out in Europe where you go in kind of expecting to win a game and you drop one or two of your regular eleven. So, I mean, City have are, are, are usually best equipped because they have two sets of eleven, and generally when they rotate one or the other in it doesn't too much take away from who they are and the way they play and the results that they get so City will always be top for me Chelsea regardless of the kind of crazy money they've spent they've still recruited in good areas maybe the only one was that thing with Aubameyang is he a gamble or is he the final piece of the puzzle I would lean more towards a gamble myself Um, and then after that Liverpool are in there next and I think that they're struggling huge you know, three months ago they're competing for a quadruple and three months on 
they've no midfielders to go in alongside Fabinho that are senior pros. So I think Liverpool are going to be stretched between now and Christmas unless they get a real good um, recovery rate. Um, and then outside of that, you know, Europa League does it rate as highly for the likes of Manchester United. Does it rate as highly in their radar? Can they just bring in their second string, which you would expect them to do? So anyone that's not playing Champions League and has them type of games, high-profile games, it's going to be a tough a tough goal for them and it's going to be a lot more handier for the likes of Arsenal, Manchester United. They'll be the ones, I think, that will reap small benefits because they just won't be playing that many high-profile high games. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying there, Dave. I think that the likes of Manchester United oh. and Arsenal have saying this before the show started. I just feel that they are going to be able to, if they want to push hard, I mean, you look at Arsenal... Are they capable of finishing the top four? Absolutely. Especially the way Chelsea have started. Manchester United are after turning things around a little bit. They'll start believing now that they can do stuff. It, it, will it be of their benefit to have a settled squad or team for the Premier League and a settled team for the Europa League? Where the Champions League has that little bit of pressure of having to have your best players out all the time? Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting few weeks because then you've also got this small little tournament at Christmas called the World Cup Newman as well mm. uh, but I think it'll be interesting for the Arsenal Manchester United I think Arteta will tie with his team a lot more I think um, because he's been in the Premier League for a lot longer now so he'll have the same attitude unfortunately as most English teams and will look at it as a pain in the arse and he'll have a little bit of an element of that while Ten Hag won't and I have a feeling Ten Hag will give it a bit more respect than maybe United fans might want to because it's a big tournament and it has a big prize at the end of bringing them into the Champions League, which I don't think you can ignore. Like the, the first two games of the season are not that, they're still in the rearview mirror. They're not going away just yet. Mm. And I think him and his staff need to be very mindful of that and said, because I think as good as they're doing right now, the confidence is still a bit brittle and one bad result could kind of just knock them again and they might go on a bit of a bad run before they go again. I, I think he'll give it a bit more respect maybe than what, say, Michael Arteta will do at Arsenal. Well, they play Sociedad. They play Sociedad on, on Thursday. Yeah. But Manchester United could have a team there that would be one of the goalkeepers, uh, one of the, the, the backup keepers, uh, Dubravnik or Heaton. But you could have Wambasaka, Shaw, Maguire, Linderoff, Fred, Casemiro, one of Ericsson Fernandes. You'll have Ronaldo up front, Alanga, and then one of the wingers, maybe Rashford, Sancho, maybe give them half game each or whatever. That's practically their team from last year. So they wouldn't really be, you know, disrespecting the competition at all, would they, with that team? No. No, and it wouldn't be a case of disrespecting, but you're not going to get what you think. That's on paper, that looks solid, but it's not your regular 11. So that's why I don't think he should make a whole 11 changes. If he mm. makes more than five or six, you're not going to get that solid performance you've been getting for the last four games. But they will and be playing consecutive weeks, if you know what I mean. It's nearly like a, 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 a league I do team. understand that. I do understand that. But I just, Shano, we've seen teams do this before. It doesn't work. Lucky United, they never got out with the Europa League group if I'm not mistaken they didn't get out of the Champions League group once or twice and it's the same with one or two of these others Spurs struggled last year because they took the mickey out of it and they're supposed to be too good for that group they they really really made hard work of it against some poor sides so yes on paper those players sound strong 
but because they're not playing together for the last month or two, as soon as you put that in, that could be a very scrappy game and all of a sudden you lose that first game. And there's unnecessary scrutiny on Man United once again when it's, when at the moment it's fairly positive. So that's why it would be an interesting one to see what he does because um, I, I really don't think he can he can play with it too much. He needs to have the confidence of squad, but I don't think he can afford to play with it too much just yet because, as I said, those first two games are not that far away and it, I can't we can't deny that they never happened. He's after making some big calls, Ten Hag, in the last three to four games mm. that have kind of turned it around. And all of a sudden now you feel they have a bit of a backbone, that they have a bit of fight to them, a bit of fight to them. That can turn very, very quickly. I'd agree with Dave there. I'd be sceptical that I would bring in that many changes. I'd still try to keep the core together. Because in my opinion, the minute you bring in the likes of Harry Maguire and a few of them, you're, you're exposing yourself and leaving yourself open for huge ridicule that things don't go well. Do you think that they can afford to play these players though in every game? Because that's that's going to take its toll too. Well, they can't. No, well, they have to. They have to balance, subs. don't they? You five subs nowadays, and uh, you can make four or five changes. Like mm. these guys have massive teams in the background who I sometimes flag off as being bluffers, but they have massive people in the sports science who should be well clued into who's at a top level and who's not. So I'm not saying they need to try and play their strongest 11 within an inch of its life because there will be a war of attrition, but they just need to be clever to try and keep the train going in the right direction because I just think with United at the moment, it's going well, but I think it's still a bit brittle and he just needs to keep that momentum going for as long as possible so that whenever that first blip happens again, that it's just a blip and they just keep going, you know? Well, at the moment, I feel if something does go awry, it might just stumble them for a few more weeks that they don't necessarily want or need to try and keep the, the momentum going. So I just think, be clever, do it right. But I think the fact that he's coming from Europe and he's still fresh, I think he will give it a bit more respect because obviously the, the majority of England don't really can do shit about it. But I think the likes of United and even Arsenal have to try and make sure they do enough to stay in it for a while because this is going to be an interesting year and a tough year with the World Cup involved and all the game. Like that top four is is an interesting race this year, but it was shut up a deal. Neil, are Manchester Manchester City, I should say, the favourites out of all the English teams to win the Champions League? Is this their best opportunity to win the Champions League? I think every year, Roy, once they're as strong as they are. Like I mean, you look at the recruitment this year again with Haaland. You know, will it be enough to get them over the line? Time will tell. But I think as far as the English teams go, you would definitely fancy them. Uh, in Europe, I think they are edging closer kind of every year. They had a bit of a blip last year, losing to Madrid when they literally had them by the throat. So if they learn from that, if they push on, I always think with always City in the cup competitions, there's always a banana skin. Listen, there is for every team. But yeah, I would definitely think they would be the favourites. I wouldn't bank on them to do it because at the end of the day, you know, Champions League, 32 teams show up and generally Real Madrid come from nowhere after Christmas and win. So <laughs> that's the hoodoo you have to be. So it's a big ask. It is. Dave, is the potential banana skin for Manchester City the overthinking from Pep? Absolutely, I think, yeah, without a doubt, because I'm very torn about City. Part of me would love the fact that they don't ever win it and it's just good banter. <laughs> but then there's a weird part of me, like, the sooner the better they win it he might get bored and shag off and then there might be a vacuum at City for a while a la Ferguson and United and then we have a proper run-in with a four or five good teams 
So half of me just wants them to get it out of the way and the bubble might burst a little bit. But as I said, I'm torn because a part of me just likes to see them suffer because they want it so bad and he obviously wants it so bad and he potentially could be causing some of the problems with a lot of the, the messing and overanalyzing of some of these one-off games that he does. Just be confident in what you what you do. Use Man City are good enough. Just keep at it. Okay. Why would you think that their Achilles heel could be if Haaland got injured and they've let go of Sterling and Jesus that they might not have the firepower to deal with other teams when he's not there because I think they've really thrown their eggs into one basket with Haaland this year but I think then don't they have your man Alvarez who is in the wings there he's yeah. he played in the first kind of games I wouldn't be surprised if well, he plays a little bit more now with the Champions League um, and the league games here uh, you might see him starting a few games in the league that they fancy themselves winning like they've, they've, I still think they've gambled slightly now whether it's an educated gamble they still have Mares, they still have Phil Foden there but it would be interesting to see them last a game or two without Haaland or maybe four or five games if he picked up a knock so you never know what can happen over a long season yeah absolutely okay we're going to leave it there Dave and Neil thanks so much for uh, coming on thanks everyone else oh yes you nearly forgot you told me not to forget and I nearly forgot go ahead yes Dave so so the FA Cup, the, the glorious cup that we loved growing up, is, is back. First round qualifying started this week, and the magic of the cup certainly happened this week when Black, Blackfield and Langley played. Uh, they're from the ninth year in the Wessex League, played Somerset side Shetland Mallet FC. So basically, as red cards go, they don't come any stranger, but sometimes nature calls. It might be an FA Cup first, a goalkeeper was sent off for urinating in a hedge during the match. No way. <laughs> the key. <laughs> the keeper in question is Connor Masco of Hampshire side Blackfield and Langley FC who play in the ninth year of the Wessex League and the incident occurred in the 76th minute of their nil-all draw with Somerset side Sheffield Mallet the ball went out for a goal kick Blackfield and Langley FC co-manager Connor McCarthy told BBC Sport he needed to go to the toilet so he went up against the hedge and their players started shouting saying what's he doing to the ref and the ref went up and decided to send him off he protected himself and he was inside the hedge Sometimes you just have to go. <laughs> I was gobsmacked and I didn't expect that. So we're all pretty shocked by the decision. However, Shepton were very, very clever. And so were Blackfield with some of their tweets. And Shepton had tweeted about the replay of Urinate Gate and said, after an unusual red card in the first tie, we are looking for a match sponsor for this week's midweek uh, replay. Any plumbers or portaloo companies, please take advantage. <laughs> I, so the magic of the cup is still going strong. Yeah, I, I, I thought, I thought it was. A, I didn't think it was a, a straight red card. I thought it was a yellow card offence. I think I remember that happening sure in the Leinster. At that level, they're, they're shocking, right? Yeah, I, I thought, I thought, I thought they were in the Leinster Senior League that they they booked players or something like that for for doing stuff like that. But anyway. Permission or something. Yeah, um, but anyhow, there'll they'll never be a patch on Gary Kavanagh, um, if, if, if we all remember <laughs> Gary and his astonishing moment. Okay, listen, we'll t- uh, thanks very much, lads, uh, Neil and Dave, and uh, for everyone listening out there, thanks very much. And we'll talk to you next week, the European Cup and the Euro, no, the whole, what's it called? The UEFA Cup, we called them, yeah. They're back. Talk to you next week.